Now entering Nerdist.com. Welcome to the Writers' Panel. I'm Ben Blacker, the creator and moderator of the podcast. I created the show because I wanted to talk to other writers about the business and process of writing. I've had more than 500 writers on the show, so please check the archives to find more writers and more TV shows of interest to you. I'm a writer myself, having written for Supernatural, Puss in Boots, and other programs. I have a couple of cool projects out this first quarter of 2017 that I hope you'll check out. One is a Supernatural Western comic book series from Boom Publishing that I wrote with my writing partner, Ben Acker, and our friend, the TV showrunner, Andrew Miller. It's beautifully illustrated by Hannah Christensen, and the first issue is available in comic stores and online February 8th. In March comes the first book in a series of young adult novels that Acker and I wrote called Star Wars Join the Resistance. It takes place just before The Force Awakens and is about a bunch of kids who join the fight against the First Order. But mostly they have adventures, fall in love with each other, and get in trouble. I hope you'll check out both of those projects. We're very proud of how they came out. Let me know who you'd like to hear on this podcast by following me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker, like the color, only more so, liking the Writers' Panel on Facebook, and visiting writerspanel.tumblr.com. And if you like the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Reading those reviews really provides a pick-me-up. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writers' Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah! What I'm going to do is, starting here with Cynthia, have you introduce yourself on the microphone, please, and tell the listener where they may have seen your name uh, in some credits. (laughs) Mm. Um, I'm Cynthia Mort. Um... I'm doing a show called uh, A Pilot for Hulu with Chelsea Handler and Working Title. I'm Mary McCormick. It's called Unspeakable, based on a book. It's funny. It's a half hour. I started in comedy. Um, I did Tell Me You Love Me for HBO. I wrote The Brave One for Jodie Foster. I directed the Nina Simone movie. I just finished my own movie that I wrote, direct, produce, and finance, called The Magnificent Room. So, Congrats. Yeah. What, are we going to be able to see that? Fingers crossed. It's just it's just gone out to a couple distributors. Okay, great. So we'll see. That's There's really a soundtrack. Cool. I wrote all the songs for it. Holy cow! Yeah, Shit. It's, it's amazing. Been, it's it's been fun. <laughs> it's been fun as a writer to do all those different things. That's really cool. I want to yeah. get into that yeah, in a yeah. minute. Uh, but Trent, why don't you introduce yourself? Um, Trent O'Donnell. Uh, I work primarily as a director, but I've written some things that um, that I've usually writing stuff that I've directed myself. <laughs> I started off. First thing I made was uh, Review with Miles Barlow that became Review with Forrest McNeil here, and that's kind of why I came over here originally, just to check out, to go on set for a day, basically. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> that justified moving my whole family over. Fair. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I did a, a, and then a few comedies back home that I'd, I'd, I'd written and created, some that tried to get developed here, did a little bit of development here, and then the latest one of that is No Activity, which Patty and I... Um, did together uh, and then apart from that I work as a director like mm-hmm. half hour comedy director done a bunch of uh, different half hour comedies yeah and you guys are here specifically to talk about No Activity which uh, yeah, Patrick yeah. you are also the star of but you guys wrote a bunch of episodes yeah I'm or... Patrick Bramble I'm yeah with No Activity um, and yeah we're here primarily to talk about that because let's that's... just talk about No Activity <laughs> if, if it goes two minutes we haven't mentioned just... <laughs> yeah let's talk about No Activity uh, no that's all I'm here to talk about because that's all I've done here really you wouldn't know my name from anywhere else I'm primarily an actor uh from uh, Australia, and but moved over here recently, and um, yeah, Trent and I've got that up. Um, yeah, it's yeah. up right now. We should say on sure. CBS, CBS All Access, All yeah. Access, yep. right? Um, and I've developed a couple of other scripts that have, have gone nowhere. So, <laughs> good then you're a real writer. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, and Sanjay, um, Sanjay Shaw. I'm also here to talk about No Activity, even though I have nothing <laughs> to do with the production yeah, at me all. Too. Thank yeah. you, right. thank Perfect. you guys. <laughs> uh, I. Um, I'm a co-exec producer writer on uh, Fresh Off the Boat. I've been there since the first season. Um, been writing it for about ten years. I started at King of the Hill and South Park. I started in animation, and then I worked on shows like um, Enlisted and Cougar Town and a bunch of other things. Um, I got my start in stand-up. Uh, I've had like a million different jobs before doing this. I used to work in politics. I was a mechanic, have an EMT certification, I worked on uh, stock floor, on an options floor for the Pacific Stock Exchange. Jesus. Anyway, I uh, <laughs> sort of found my way here and been doing this for a little while. And I've developed a bunch um, over, the, over the years. I just sold a project to Fox that I'm doing with Jonathan Kreisel. 
um, called Model Minorities, and it's sort of about my relationship with my family. Anyway, that's great. Um, I did. I said I wanted to start with the stuff that you guys are currently doing, um, and that seems like a good place to start because I think you know I, I would guess your pitching and development proce- process for that show was sort of standard for what any pitching and development process was before we get into what these guys are doing. Um, so do you want to walk us through that for this latest project? Like the pitching process? Yeah. Sure. I mean, um, I, uh, I got an overall deal this year, um, and so it was sort of a little bit different than in years past where I was just kind of like uh, walking in and begging someone to, <laughs> yeah. to throw me some money to write a script. Um, and I guess the process is fairly similar, but the conversation about the project that I was going to do was a little bit more informal with mm. the executives that I'm working with. So that's the only part that was different. But this was an idea that I'd kind of thought of uh, a year ago and, and mentioned a, a couple of the executives. And uh, we decided this year that, you know, um, that we're all excited about doing it this year. I ended up doing a different project last year based on um, one of my many jobs. I used to be a writing tutor at San Quentin Prison. And so I sold a show last year that I pitched as head of the class, but with hardcore felons (laughs) based on my experience there. Mm. Um, And it was about prison reform. And um, I think it probably stood more of a chance of getting made had Hillary gotten elected. (laughs) Um, But uh, I think a lot of uh, pilots were sunk (laughs) that way. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the notes immediately changed. Hey, can we make the liberal people look a little dumber? You know? (laughs) Yeah. But but I sort of, you know, it it probably would not have been a great choice for ABC (laughs) um, in this political climate. Sure. But uh, so this show, so you sort of informally pitched it to them, yeah, and then, and then they we were developed part of the, the pitch together. I'm sorry, yeah, I'm going off on a no, tangent no, no. here, but that's uh, what I'm here for. Um, <laughs> Shut us up and get us back going. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, it was you know we developed the pitch together. Um, it was based on this comment my dad had made to me once, uh, where you know he came over in the '60s. The only way an Indian could come into the United States was if they were effectively a model minority. They didn't say this, but it was basically, it was written into the the law. You had to be like a doctor, lawyer, engineer, scientist. And so my dad was, you know, like the, he was like the number one student in his entire state. He got a, like a, you know, do, you know full ride scholarship to Cornell. Like, you know, he ended up with this great job at IBM. And, um, but once those people became citizens, they could start inviting their family members over. And a lot of these people were idiots, you know, like, (laughs) I mean, they just weren't, it's like the, just a, uh, a not nice way of saying like, they just were struggling a little bit more. And, um, and so some of my family members came over that way and, they are way more successful than my dad now because um, they're business owners and they just sort of uh, went for it. And my dad is, you know, he's doing okay, but not that great. And so it's sort of about that tension between the two different Americas. Um, and that became the larger pitch. And, um, you know, I filled out, I filled it out with other characters and, you know, you go in and you pitch yeah. it. And you, did they hook you up with Kreisel? Did you hook yourself up with Kreisel? Yeah, they, um, they mentioned that, you know, Kreisel might be interested. Um, are you interested in working with him? I was a huge fan of, you know, Portlandia yeah. and Tim and Eric and you know, I love his, like, you know, I love his work tonally. And so we, uh, we sat and talked about it and, um, and he came on board. Pitched it together, yeah. Okay, and, and then we're working you... with his um, his producing partner too, his wife Denisa. Yeah. Gotcha. So you guys pitched it to. Uh, so you had the studio. You pitched it to networks. Did you just go to ABC? How did we, it work? No, we pitched to Fox first because um, my deal's at twentieth. So right. we pitched to Fox oh, first, and I, I felt like that was probably the best fit for the show. Um, were to get made, mm-hmm. and so I wanted to go there first, and. Um, we sold it there, you know, and I just decided not to pitch anywhere else because right. I hate to pitch. <laughs> no, it's the worst. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's, let's it's, talk about that. Well, <laughs> I have, you know, the pitch process, I think, in general for writers is um, destructive. I think you have to do it. I think that primarily you're pitching to people who've never written a word in their lives. And there's, there's, a, there's a fairly... Uh, canned response when you pitch. So I think for any writer out there, they have to be prepared for that, number one, because um, very few executives, I think HBO back in the day when it was Carolyn and Chris, they were involved in the pitches, mm-hmm. but I think now you're, you're dealing with a different, um, people are, have come up differently. So I think, you know, I have a very different attitude about the pitch process. I, 
kind of have a bad attitude about it, but uh, going in with Chelsea Handler and working title and Liza Chase, and you know, if you go in with a lot of muscle, if you're lucky enough to do that, it changes things. Well, I'm curious to hear about that because you, I assume you've done it both ways, right? You've gone I in have. and pitched on your own and now I you have. sort of bring this, yeah. this group with you. Um, and I can see the benefits of... There are benefits. <laughs> There's a lot of benefits. Um, but how does that change the pitch for you? Um, or does it? I actually think I do better in a pitch alone mm-hmm. because you can kind of... Um, as uncomfortable as pitching is, and you can do it a hundred times and it's uncomfortable. I don't care who it is or who you're in the room with or to whom you're pitching. But you really have to, I, I think, say what you believe. And that's not easy to do because you're largely pitching to people who don't respond and don't want to respond because it's mm-hmm. not in their best interest to respond. Sure. You know what I mean? They don't yeah. want to give anything up, which is kind of a ridiculous situation to be in when you're being creative. However, uh, it's nice going in with muscle. Um, my deal at HBO, you know, I, went, I, I sold another show to Chris Albrecht at Stars. I know Chris very well. So it was like, hey, do you want to do this? Da, 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 da. 20 minutes later, you know, we had a deal. But it depends on who, who you're with. But any time you pitch, it's uncomfortable. And I think writers need to be prepared and need to take um, a more dominant stand in, in the room. Mm-hmm. Because it's the executive shouldn't take the dominant stand; the writer should. So, how do you suggest doing that? Have you been able to do that? Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's always served me that well, but but I. But, it's, I, but I think it's probably better to do it than to not. Um, I think it's important. Mm-hmm. It's not easy to do, mm-hmm. but I think it's important when you're talking about. Um, as a writer, you live with the characters, you create the characters, you know what they say, you know how they dress, you know where they live, you know what they eat. And you're pitching to people who know nothing yet are emboldened for very good reason to give notes. Sure. So that is an awkward situation. Mm-hmm. Was there a pit- and at time it pisses you off? <laughs> of course. Absolutely. I mean, well, tell me you love me. It was such a bold show. Like there was nothing else. Thank I remember you. thinking that at the time because it was right when I had started writing and I was paying attention to everything that was on yeah. TV and there was nothing like it on TV. They, the well, they completely left me alone. And Chris Albrecht. And, and he, he was right to get booted from HBO. He called me and said, look, I've invested in you. And that is the old HBO. Yeah. So uh, they left me alone to run that show exactly. I rewrote every script, what they wore. You know, they'd come down, look at the wardrobe, and they're like, there's no colors. I said, yeah, there's not going to be any, no, any colors because I don't want my characters defined by what they're wearing, mm-hmm. specifically the women. So uh, that was a great experience. So that really was sort of a, this auteur TV experience it, it was, for you. I have to say. Um, and I bailed on season two. You know, I had written, they had picked up season two. Yeah. Without naming names, a new person mm-hmm. took over HBO and uh, we, right. didn't, we didn't see eye to eye. And it was because of that regime change. It was creatively. It was a creative yeah. decision on my part. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, Hard to do, but... So this this show that you have just pitched yeah. uh, for Hulu, uh, that you sold to Hulu, yeah. uh, where you did go in with you know a lot of backup, Yeah. Um, <laughs> what did the pitch look like? Well, was it like, look at all these great people, we're going to make TV? No. <laughs> right. You, so what was it? It, it was still... <sighs> Look, a pitch is canned, no matter what you do or who you go in with. It yeah. is it is fairly, um, you have a document, and some people want you to stick to the document, some don't. So it is a canned, you know, uh, not comfortable process. And I've been doing it a long time, and it's still like, ugh, I don't want to pitch, I don't want to pitch, I don't want to pitch. You know, I say that all the time, but... It's kind of is there a better way? Is there? Do you think a better way to do it? I, I think there is. Which yeah. um, what I've started doing is I'll write a document, and um, I'll tell. And working title was great this way. I'll, I'm like, give them this document. It's four <laughs> pages long. Make sure they read it before we go in. So they never read it though. Well, they had to this time. <laughs> I quizzed them actually in one pitch. I'm like, all right, did you guys read the document? But at least it puts you all on the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're informed, so yeah. you don't have to sit there like an idiot and say things that you don't need to say. You can have a real creative conversation about what you want to do, which is where we should be as writers. My only beef with the process is that it it just feels like so much time and energy is spent that could have been thrown into the script. You know, a month or two, maybe longer. I remember I decided last year I was going to take a 
a tough stand. And I told this executive, <laughs> I was like, you know what, pay me half and just let me write it on yeah. spec. And she said no, so I pitched. <laughs> you know, but really? it just feels like that, yeah, that the six weeks or whatever it, it took to do that particular pitch, I could have spent yeah. developing right. the script. Absolutely. I went and I said look to my manager and my agents, and you know, R is my agents. I'm like, tell them I don't want a fucking penny to write the script. I want to, I want to shoot it. Whatever they're going to pay me to write the script, wow. I want to make I want to make it, and they don't want to do it because they, there's no control. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. None whatsoever. Yeah. Um, Trent, I'm curious to hear uh, about the experience with No Activity. It existed as an Australian show. Yeah. Is that correct? And then. Yeah. What was the translation process? Did CBS come to you? Did you have to repitch the show? We went and pitched it. You did. And I guess most of my pitching here actually has been I've had a thing mm-hmm. where I've gone, See, this is it. just have a look at it. <laughs> It'll be with a <laughs> US accent. Yeah, yeah, it's like this oh, is going to change great. and this is going to really change. Helped. So it's kind of been, you know, and you can also. You could sort of, I found, we found anyway that we could read it. Like, we read it after 10 minutes. Like, because people yeah. were like, some we were, you know, some we went, and then everyone had watched it or watched some of it, watched mm-hmm. at least a little bit of it. Right. Yeah. And we could kind of tell. Also, like, there was in the pitch meetings, there was, it was in two parts. We'd pitch the thing, they'd seen it, and they'd be somewhat interested. Mm-hmm. And then we'd say, and it's very, very cheap to make. We shot, <laughs> we shot the first season back <laughs> home in nine days. And you could see them all lean forward. Yeah. That, went, that's, that's the moment. That yeah. became the bit that we like led up to because yeah, we yeah. wrote and, yeah. which I haven't done before I've usually just shown stuff and then I'd, I wrote a thing with another friend and we kind of just like winged it really through mm-hmm. the pitch and it worked and so we went that's how I'll do it <laughs> and then this one mainly with like Funny or Die we're kind of like we yeah let's rehearse it. It. and so yeah. we really like we did this like double act <laughs> really yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we like we well, so you did you actually yeah. script yeah. what you were going to script. say oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. same jokes wow you same jokes no now and and you're an actor this works like you can pull that off yeah yeah not so much. Okay, well, here's the kicker. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick was at all of the pitches. <laughs> Patrick was everyone. Yeah. And but he couldn't make the CBS one. That's true. Are you the place where I was, where was I? I was somewhere else. I was like, nah, fuck it, I'm not doing that. One. Yeah. So that was like the soft gentle pitch, and I didn't even bother doing the jokes. I just, I haven't. I was kind of like ready for a go. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Uh, uh, sorry. Uh, no, that slide relates to a joke that Patrick was going to say. Just skip that one. Now. Skip that one. <laughs> yeah. And Did that's you, you have slides it, uh, also. We had slides. We had an interactive presentation. Oh, man. What was the slide? The guys at wow, Funny or Die were like, kidding. we've got, yeah. like, talk about a pitch being a whole other thing. Like, yeah. it's an entire other thing. Yeah. We've got diagrams to help show. Because because <laughs> the nature of our show, like, we, we show them a clip from it, mm-hmm. but the nature of it is nothing ever happens. Mm-hmm. So they just need to see where people are situated yeah. and, and kind of just basically. How long did it take you to put all that together? Well, we didn't do any of it. But oh, someone, they, they put that together, yeah. yeah. One Must the, be nice. Yeah. It was very nice. Wow. Uh, but yeah, we went in and rehearsed this fucking thing and it was wow. uh, it became it, kind of boring. But it was fun once we had it, you know. I'm you, curious yeah. about, like, the tone of no activity. It's so great. Like, that's such a hard tone to get across to people. I feel like that mm-hmm. must have been where a lot of the pitch was spent was it's just two people talking. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> I guess. How did you get that across? I mean, by its point of difference, I guess, in that it was the antithesis of a mm-hmm. that kind of procedural that people are so familiar with and mm-hmm. that, you know, and we wanted to, we do have a whole thing about why we think it's an interesting, worthy kind of show to, to, to dabble in because it is like, you know, like Patty and I have both been on lots of sets and worked on lots of sets where the, the focus seems to be more on production rather than mm-hmm. performance. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to create this thing and that's really what it was. We wanted to create a thing where it was like, you know, we don't move the cameras all day. We pretty much sit. There's, there's no. The actors don't go to trailers because yeah. there's no time to. Because we're always, we're always just, you know, we're in this simple setup, and it's really just a little cocoon for for performance. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it's a real. It is a real actor party, which is great. Yeah, like yeah. it yeah. is. You're getting good sort of long performances from yeah. these actors who are an, in actual conversation. We just like, we bleed them dry over really a few days. <laughs> it is abuse. It's abuse. Yeah. 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 And everyone's saying, it always sounds fun to actors. I go, like, it's just play, you know, yeah. cameras are there. It's a big sand pit. You just play all day and it's a <laughs> fucking nightmare. Tim Meadows and I were in this car for mm-hmm. four days. Well, you've got it worse because oh you're in a car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a shitty car. Why do we choose that shitty car? <laughs> it's an old car. Um, um, it seems... Two and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems pretty tightly scripted. It is. Yeah, okay. we scripted it. We scripted it more here than we did back home, but it's not improvised. Like every, we know where every bit is going, I guess. But we do. We just we open it up and and you know let it play. But we also kind of like we kind of cut and run a bit where we we have so much. We always have kind of like you know 
backups and, sure. and, and alts and stuff like yeah. that. And the whole idea of the show is that we're never tied in. This the the, the storyline is there, but it's so minor yeah. that we never have a scene that you go, well, that sucks, but we've got to keep it because otherwise the A story doesn't work. <laughs> That's right. So we never have that. So we've always got stuff That's we can smart. slot in. Um, it's about and so 50, we will in the end, like in terms of what was scripted and what was not. Like, yeah. We, how, how much editing do you do? Oh, the editing's a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The editing's a nightmare. It's got to be just like because we shot the thing in eight. It's eight. Uh, eight episodes in nineteen days. Wow! And mm. and we've and, but wow. then and you kind of get to the end of it and you just kind of like this is amazing. How we much did footage do you have to go through for each episode? Is this too, too technical? To no, ask? no, 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 no. We've it's got interesting. It's we've got like the compiles like an hour, hour twenty yeah. for like a twenty-five minute wow. episode. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's Leash. it's a, it's a, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot on the editing. Yeah, and that's yeah. kind of irony of of. of because we had to script everything here and go through rigorous notes and all that sort of yeah. stuff for the studio and the network. And in the end, they were like, cool, we're like, this is all going to change. And like, we know, we, we love it. And then so once we got to each day right. of shooting, we threw it all up in the air, really. Agree, yeah. And so now they're dealing with, you know, what we actually shot. Well, I mean, that's always the way you get notes and you're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then you shoot what you need to shoot. <laughs> right, and right. then that you get real notes. Yeah, the real notes. Because yeah. the, the fake, the first set of notes are almost always fake. It's well, like, it's, the script is theoretical at that point, right? Like you have well, this thing, this document. Prior to the script, you know, they want some gotcha. idea of a basic, whether it's an hour, or half hour, which you make it as short as possible. But that's where they give notes that don't count. I mean, nowadays it feels like I mean, the entire first season of a show is theoretical. I mean, you know, <laughs> I agree. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, when I was at Cougar Town. Uh, I always hated the title of the show, and <laughs> which, well, which at that Kevin time, does too, like, and has well, talked Kevin about has talked on this about, podcast. Yeah, I'm not speaking out of school, I hope, <laughs> but um, it was a time when it was like there were three shows hiring that season, you know, yeah. and it was just like, okay, I, I want to work with these people, but this <laughs> title, and you know, after three episodes. Um, we realized people do not like it either. <laughs> like America doesn't like uh, it thematically or whatever. And so we, the show became just like a, a show about adults hanging out. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. an adult relationship show. And then we tried for three seasons to come up with a different title, you know. But, you know, at that time we were really concerned late. that, yeah, it's too late. It's yeah. what's locked into people's. You know, whatever. But it's funny. Was. I mean, this is a thing that comes up on the podcast quite a bit, especially from people who have worked on shows that have run for a few years. Yeah. And that there is a sort of discovering what the show That's is right. in that first season. Yeah. So if we all know that. Yeah. And yep. if people, the people developing these shows know that as well, mm-hmm. why is there such scrutiny on the theoretical part, on the pitch part, or the development process? Look. I already have a bad reputation, so I'll just say it. I'm being very difficult. Talented. We pull the mic a little closer. (laughs) They need need to justify their jobs. I mean, we need to understand as writers that the people giving us notes have never written a word in their life. life. Mm -hmm. So you can't really listen to those notes because they don't know what they're talking about, truthfully. I mean, God bless them, but they don't. So it's a very weird situation. Um, I'll yeah. take a note from my peer any day of the week. I'll take a note from anybody on set. I'll take a note from anybody who uh, has been in the trenches on some level. Mm-hmm. Who's part of the process. Yeah, but unfortunately, none of those people are giving you money. They aren't. They're not giving yeah. you money. Yeah. And that, that's the question, right? But the people giving you notes... Uh, work for the people who 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 are giving you money. Yeah. So mean, it's, it's a very odd chain. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then There's a lot of fear underlying it, it because is. of, uh, I mean, I feel like it's, I remember reading this book, uh, I'm blanking on the title in college about media consolidation and how since the 70s, you know, it used to be like 500 different entities were creating content and now it's yeah. like 13 companies own <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and so right. now you know you can sort of understand just the the fear that's driving some of these notes because it's there's there's a aversion to risk because there are these huge corporate giants that are going to get super pissed and yeah. fire you if you fuck up yeah um, I'm curious to hear about how things were back home <laughs> Uh, it was a simpler time. In, <laughs> in developing, like, Review, how, yeah. how, which is such a great show, uh, both versions, uh, I'm such a fan, how how did it come to be? Was it a similar pitching process? It's obviously it's, a much smaller actually, uh, a, organization there. Yeah, but it's hard as well. I yeah. think it's harder because there's, I mean, particularly, huh. particularly when I, like, when I've made Review, 
in Australia, I think maybe there were five, probably five or six comedy, half-hour comedies mm-hmm. produced in Australia yeah. that year. Oh, yeah. And so... It's a tiny little wow, niche. five in the whole place? Yeah, because there's like have... two avenues, you know, to right. pitch to, really. There's right. yeah. ABC wow. or just a new streaming thing online. You know, there's very few. I mean, and, all, all... and back then there was no streaming thing. So it was pretty much, it was ABC or maybe SBS. Yeah. Could mm-hmm. Would have made it. Yeah, but the commercial networks, I mean, they. I mean, I didn't know if they had comedy departments. Mm-hmm. Like they, no. You know, sure. it's, it's all light entertainment. And so where, what were you doing before? Were you in TV before? Like how did you even get I was, so noticed? I, had, I came through. <laughs> I used to work as a photographer, and then I got into making some shorts, mm-hmm. making some short films. Mm-hmm. And then from the short films, I got into directing commercials. Gotcha. But little bits, like just small commercials and stuff like that. And I feel like Review was, you know, by the time I got Review made, it was like, I tried to make about five shows by then. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I was deliberately trying to make one that was... You know, A, that I could make it myself. So I shot the pilot for, for, for nothing. Like me and um, Phil Lloyd, who, who, who played the yeah. original lead, we paid for our pilot ourselves. It was like five grand. And that was like right at the edge. Like I was about to get married and, and like, you know, and now I've got kids and stuff. And I feel like I was right at the edge of like, I'll give it this shot. <laughs> yeah. I'll spend like five grand on it and see what happens. Were you editing on VCRs and stuff? Back then? Yeah. I don't know if we were. So you were editing stuff like... With well, camera plugged into your VCR. Well, yeah, we had like yeah, it was all mini DV and yeah, yeah, and that yeah. stuff. Um, but yeah, so it was so we made the we made the pilot. I wanted to make something that was like weird enough and different enough that I wasn't I couldn't make like a slick half hour comedy. I just right. wasn't, I wasn't going to be out of it. Was I, that the kind of like well, of the four comedies that were on television? Were they slick half hour comedies? Yeah, they were all fairly polished. They okay. were pretty polished. They weren't like what Review was. Like Review was made for nothing. Yeah. And, and it's when... weird. It's super Why weird. It's such it a got, great show. It got picked up. Because it was, a, I think just conceptually, I think the concept was enough that people went, oh, okay, that's kind of different enough. Cool. And, and And then I... It did have a bit of, and ultimately had a bit of a look to it because I used to piggyback on the back of. Because you had no money and you use it. Yeah, it had a particular. Yeah, it was shit. Yeah. But also, it was like, like it was one hundred twenty thousand Australian dollars for season one of review total budget. Wow. So that's for six episodes. Wow. Which is about a hundred thousand American. Yeah. And but I did like I piggybacked on the back of like you know I remember I got to shoot a commercial in um, in Vietnam and so I like we flew Phil over <laughs> he stayed on my hotel room floor and we shot an episode there on That's review like at yeah. night I was out wow. shooting yeah. shooting that and yeah. then we shot on the plane and we kind of like I did camera sound edit like the sound was awful throughout the whole thing <laughs> but um yeah it was like the it was from that that you know the that I managed to get into it. I kind of feel fortunate that I did because it really was. I think I would have if that had bombed as well because I'd written so many I'd written about five shows that mm-hmm. it's very hard to get stuff up in Australia because right. unless you I'd never had anyone attached or any any pedigree behind it. Right. Um whereas I feel like at least here I know that a deal and, and going into a room if you you know having people helps it like helps. in your situation it like helps. having having talent runs the board and having a kind of a good package really helps but there is still at least there's this glut of people trying to make wanting to make stuff and Absolutely. needing content yeah. that I feel like it at least there's kind of like a few more avenues. Yeah, I mean, especially now, there are more outlets than ever, right? I mean, you're working with Hulu now, well, having started out in... Correct. ...in a, a network. Well, I started on Roseanne. Yeah. Cindy, come right on my show. I was like, okay, that's how I <laughs> Is that what happened? Well, I, wrote a, I wrote a pilot. I helped Sandra Bernhardt, who was a friend years ago, mm. edit her book. Then she said, Roseanne wants to do a show, so write a pilot for me. I'm like, okay. What were you doing at the time? I was writing... Well, I was I started as an English teacher, but I always wanted to write, blah, 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 blah. I was writing scripts, uh, movies. Never okay. wanted to be in television. So anyway, write a pilot. Roseanne was a pilot. She goes, I'm not going to make the show. But Cindy, come write on my show. <laughs> That's basically how I got, how, how I started. Was that on the first season? No, that was that was much further in. Oh, okay. How long were you there? Three years. And it was a brilliant show. I mean, yes, it absolutely. really was. Um, that that yeah. is that is due to Roseanne and mm-hmm. the writers. That's what we're told. And the cast. Yeah. But Roseanne was... Uh, so what was... This was your first TV writing job. Yeah. Um, Which, it must have been a crash course and, and also a difficult room. Yeah. It was very, <laughs> it was, well, there were 26 writers. Oh, my gosh. Holy shit. For 22 episodes? joke rooms. Yeah. And then there was like a... <laughs> Five joke rooms. Yeah. Wow. And Roseanne would come in and say, <laughs> she like, give me uh, 20 jokes for this one joke. So you would have, I mean, you learned a lot. So yeah. you'd have to write, you know, 20 different jokes. Yeah. 
Did you see yourself as a joke writer at the time? No, I mean, I was a, not at all. Yeah. What did, I learned to write jokes. Yeah. I didn't even know my first joke was a joke. It was, um, what did I, what was it? Oh, it was like, um, this is a thigh, thigh cream, but you can use it on your neck. And the whole room cracked up. I'm like, that's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> and they put it in the shelf. So I, I, didn't, I didn't know. Was it a, a lot of... <laughs> I honestly got I'm like, why is that funny? I'm curious to hear more about like the learning curve on that. You were there for a few years. Well, Just writing facts that were funny. <laughs> right. That turned out to be funny. Just <laughs> helpful hints. Um, yeah. You know, Roseanne and I got along. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because... Well, I, I don't want to say too much. It was a very difficult situation. You know, she would call me in a lot, and then Carsey Warner would say, "Go talk to Roseanne." And I'd go, "I don't know shit." I'd go in there, go, go to, I'd go to her trailer. I said, "Roseanne, what? There's a everybody's waiting for you. Get out there." Oh, I don't want to go out, and so I'd say, "Come on, I have to get her out." You know, so um, it was a real learning curve, and it was brutal. Every yeah. night was two, three, four in the morning. Oh God, that's. But it was, you know, it was the last of its its kind. Yeah, it kind of was. Big of a room. Oh, really? Yeah. That doesn't happen anymore? No. No way? You don't get 26 writers. I mean, we had no. a line of writers, you know, every time we'd have a run through. Right. And Shoot. for a show that popular yeah. and so driven by a personality. Yes. Driven by that and kind of talent. the cast was incredible. The cast John was incredible. Estelle, Lori, I mean, Jesus Christ. Well, that's Sarah. the thing I was sort of curious about. Like, the joke room is one thing. And I think <laughs> you can sort of, like, you, I mean, you sink or swim in that, right? Oh, my God. It was brutal. Um, but the story, generating story, isn't sort of another question. It is. And it feels like... Maybe you were better prepared for that, but also, you've got... Well, I am funny. <laughs> you're pretty I mean, funny. But, no. Yeah, uh, you're but right. you've got, like, 24 episodes to fill yeah, with stories, yeah. ABC stories. Yeah. Um, what Roseanne was that? And was very... Uh, yeah. She wanted to do specific areas. She was getting very political. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was a fight. With the network or with each other? Well, she, she banned the network from the set early on. They weren't allowed to step on the... Cressy Warner wasn't allowed to step on the set, neither was the network. So, were you guys getting notes? It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> kind of <laughs> a different yeah. time. <laughs> uh, not really. The only notes we got was from, uh, you know, language notes you know, mm-hmm. from the network. Sure, sure. Did you get notes from the actors other than Roseanne? They were all so cool. Any time we got stuck, we'd give something to Lori. Lori would make That's anything awesome. work. And, and John so would good. make anything work. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were a powerhouse cast, but we often hear about, like, you know, the actors live with their characters 24 yeah. hours a day. Yeah. And the writers have to live with all of the characters. Yeah. So they That's often true. know the characters in a different way and uh, sort of a better way than we do. Was that the experience there? On Roseanne? Yeah, or did it? Did that sort of not no, come into I, play? No, not for me. They were already defined. Yeah. And, um, that makes we were sense. really there to please the master, truthfully. Was it a difficult... Well, I like. I still yeah. to this day talk to her. I think she's... One of the most brilliant women I've ever met. Which is why I think you can answer this question in sort of a different way to some of the other writers who have gone through there that we've had on the show, Ken, yeah. that like, <laughs> was that a difficult target that she was painting for the writers? With respect to... To the sort of story she wanted to tell or the kind of show yes, she wanted to make? absolutely. She wanted to... She did not want to follow the the usual trajectory a show would take after all of those seasons, and you know, and where they were as characters. She mm-hmm. wanted to do different things, and she was at odds with many of the you know Harvard and Yale educated guys who ran the show, and she should have been. Mm-hmm. She would say, "Cindy, they don't even know what a deli plate is," and she's right. She was right. <laughs> so she was at odds quite often, and, and I think she was right. It about seems like it. a lot of successful shows ultimately need to be run by a benevolent dictator, essentially, yeah. to, get, to get it made. Or, or non-benevolent. Right. Yeah. You know? I think you're right. Whether it's, it's the showrunner, particularly with comedy. Or whether it's the lead. And, yeah. and, you know, it's rare that the lead runs a show anymore. Mm. Other yeah. than in comedy, because that is their voice. That was her voice. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. guys may have more experience with, I don't know, with that. But you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, we're also, I think, in this time, and you've worked on a couple of these shows, Sanjay, where... Um, and no activity is this kind of show, and review is that kind yeah. of show, where you have a writer and a star who are, a showrunner and a star who are so in sync, sort of the Everybody Loves Raymond model, mm-hmm. right? Is Phil yes. Rosenthal knew what Ray's voice was, but he also knew what that show was. Right. Um, has this been your experience on, you know, again, you've worked on these personality-driven shows in many ways. Have you seen this as a writer on these shows? Um, yes, but I, I still think there's a lot of uh, influence that comes in from from all sides uh, and but I do I agree it's it's 
it would be great if we got back to mm-hmm. really embracing voice. And I feel like mm-hmm. what's happening on cable and streaming now, showing the success of embracing a comic's voice, mm-hmm. um, is influencing the way network is approaching their comedy too. You know, I mean, it's so important to have not just like a diverse diversity of, you know, uh, racial diversity or you know. Whatever economic diversity is just as important in the room, and yeah. I've felt you know the same thing sometimes because I have two sides of my family, and one is doing really well and one's not doing so well. And I remember pitching once uh, a story based on Black Friday, and uh, it's a day after Thanksgiving yeah. where everything you know just. And I remember, <laughs> I remember the person that was making the decision in the room. I had to explain what Black Friday was, and then he said, "Well, that's not a thing." Wait, you mean in America? In America, because because he was too rich. He was out of touch, you know, a little bit, and so that stuff. That's why I think it's really important, you know. um, And I'm very hopeful of what's happening right now. When you see shows like Insecure in Atlanta, and you know, these are really funny and very partic- uh, shows that are very mm-hmm. focused on that comic's voice. Yeah, the specifics of a world. But, but can I say one thing? What we as writers must do is, is take our place again as those who generate everything that, that, that is made. And the, we ha- it, there has been such a change in the last 15 years. It's ridiculous the way that uh, writers are seen. Mm-hmm. If you, so... I wish there was a way, like you guys are doing it. You're, you're writing your own stuff. You're making your own stuff. You're in charge of your own stuff. Rather than be uh, hired by networks, told what to do, what to write. You know, they they have minimized uh, our importance every step of the way. And it's very evident because if, you, if you're given a set of notes and you don't want to do them, and I know this from working with the WGA, they just give them to another writer. Mm-hmm. They don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. They don't. They, they do not care who writes it. They want their notes executed. So they should just hire a bunch of assistants, which I've said before. I go, go hire somebody for ten bucks an hour to write your notes. So that's what really bothers me as a writer is that our position has been so demeaned and degraded. So what can we do to reclaim our position? Well, we have to say no. It's just like mm-hmm. women have to say no. And it's hard to do. You need to make money. You need to be, you know, I have two kids, both in college. It's like, oh, shit. So it's a tough decision. That's right. Yeah, it because there's, there's a never-ending... you can't verify anyone who says yes because, That's look, right. it's a reality. There's a never-ending queue for people who are ready to do the job. You're right. You know? I don't know what to do. Maybe you guys know what But that's always is. been the creative tension, always, yeah. between the economical and the, and the creative. I remember pursuit. John Irving said once... He's never written a word that he was paid for before he wrote it. <laughs> but that's how we make our living. So right. it's a tough situation. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you guys think? Is, is what is the answer? I don't know. I don't know. I think I, I still feel personally like I'm in a little bubble in, 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 in America, in L.A., coming from Australia where you don't, writers don't run shows. You know, you don't <laughs> no. have – it's really like – Oh, you're kidding. Right. Yeah, like no. my wife just wrote a show, like her first show, and she's like – I think she had to fight to get some kind of like minor producing credit oh, on it. Wow. She wasn't paid oh, yeah. to be on set. We had to like well, last minute get her like a paltry amount of money to, to actually be on set because they were pretty much, no, your job's done now. You've written. Mm-hmm. And so coming here where I see like writers actually be the showrunners and running no, the show. No, but that's in TV. I'm talking about in movies. Oh, right, in movies, yeah. 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 So I'm talking about uh, yeah, yeah. movies and studios. Television, you still have control. Yeah. yeah. If you get that far. If you get that far, but there's a lot of hoops to jump through to, to get that yeah, far. You say it's changed in movies in the last 15 years. Tremendously. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, we always see on films now, like so many, studios just the will, list of writing I'm sure I'm not supposed to say this either, but I will. Great. Studios will submit uh, for credit arbitration mm-hmm. 10 writers. Yeah. I can help. 10 writers on a movie. Yeah. Who have done different drafts at the same time. And I just think that's awful. Yeah, not television. Mm. Television, you're right. We as the writers, we still have. We are allowed to execute our vision. Yeah, I mean, we we are allowed. Yes, within degrees, right? Yes, like right. there's there's a network version, and there's yeah. you right. know the first season of Tell Me You Love Me, yeah. where you got to do everything. I got to do right. everything. Um, is it you know for those of us who are are staff writers who are writing on staffs of yeah. shows, what can we do? What can we bring to that? 
party, you, you know, have to where bring we a get voice. To There's only one thing that will separate you from anybody else that's your voice. If you don't have a voice, mm-hmm. you need a voice, a separate authorial, you know, an author's voice. Were you guys, and I'll, I'll open this to all of you, were you aware of voice? Was there a time when you became aware of your voice and what you brought to a show? Or, you know, is it an unconscious process? Like, I'm curious about some of the early stuff that you guys worked on. Did you know, like, I don't, I don't know what this show is, The Elegant Gentleman's Guide to Knife Fighting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not alone. I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you guys both worked on it. Yeah. Uh, Trent, it was your show. Um, is it in line with what you, we now know to be your voice, having, you know, seen a few shows of yours, or was this something different? Like, uh, again, it's a hard thing to sort of put your finger on, but I'm curious yeah, to talk it about is. this. I mean, I, I feel like you find your voice when you start to, you know, everyone, I think everyone starts because they're a fan of, you know, they're a fan of particular comedies. Mm-hmm. And then you start to watch certain shows and then you like watch them too much and you start to really see how they work and then you start to make stuff. And I think the early stuff you make is kind of like, obviously, derivative, so derivative yeah, and so influenced true. by that. Yeah. Well, that's and also the learning to write process. It right? is, yeah. And then you kind of, and then I always think, you know, the best thing that can happen for a writer starting out is to actually have you go at writing your first things and then see, even seeing them made, or in my case, I was usually making them myself, and to be actually have the sensibility to go, ah, oh, that's not as good as the thing that I like. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing that was influencing me is obviously on a much better level. And then you just kind of tweak that's and adjust and kind of you start to realize what you bring to it. And then when you work with someone else, like for, for Patty and I, I feel like I've got a handle on what his stuff is and he, mm-hmm. he knows what, what I'm bringing to it. And we've got, you know, we've got slightly different sensibilities in a, in a tonally similar world. And you, you understand your bits mm. and, and not having too many of your kind of bits and your stuff and balancing it out. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Patrick, I'm curious to hear, I'm always curious to hear from actors who begin writing mm-hmm. uh, and what that gives you that's different to acting. Uh, it just uh, works my brain in a different way. I mean, acting I love, um, but it's not really the act of creation. And I've gotten to arguments with actors about that. But I don't think it, it really is. You know, you're not starting with a blank anything uh, unless you're improvising, which is a slightly different skill. Um, but I, I, I think just for me, acting and writing work two different um two different brains mm-hmm. really but like in terms of finding your voice it is the same with acting it's the is same that... yeah yeah that's all you have all you have is your Eunice that nobody else has you know yeah. but if you if you and you, I believe I agree with you I think you have to rely on that you've got to put that forward but that's going to lose you as many jobs as it gets <laughs> you know you're, you, right. you're just not going to be you're yeah. not going to be for all markets there. there's such a balance and, and also similar with like pitching we're talking about you know that's a shit thing to do but it's, it's such a different job to the actual job of writing right. again same with acting like an yeah. audition is very different right, from right, right. acting well, but we all have job interviews and stuff. Right. It's all yeah. different. God, auditions must be the worst thing in the world. <laughs> it's, a, it's a whole different I, I, I mean, I, I, I can't imagine because I've been on that watching these actors and I, it's just, I don't know what is in you guys that allow you to, no, to stand up and have integrity and go into room after room after room. That yeah. is just, I admire it. I really do. So do I. Um, it, but you see why actors are a bit fucked in the head. Because, yeah, I do. Yeah. And going through, doing no activity here and casting it, you know, from a market where we don't really know the people here um, and, and hmm. watching those auditions and, and knowing what it's like to be in an audition oh. it's fucking horrible it's, it's, there's no other way to describe it yeah, yeah. it's bad That's <laughs> if only there were a better way to do it like uh, you know right. want to do the job for three months and if you don't like me <laughs> reshoot or something right. just show up with the powerpoint next time uh, yeah. <laughs> totally well, you can see why like creators <laughs> just get their talented friends and make a thing mm-hmm. you know, yeah. because yeah. you all know the language that you're speaking yeah. right uh, it's very hard to get. Yeah, having that shorthand goes a long yeah. way. Which of your which craft influences the other the most? Does writing influence acting more, or does acting influence your writing more? I don't, it know. Even, you I, know. I don't know. It goes just it's just a symbiotic relationship. Yeah, yeah. But I know the more I do of each, the the more the better they both get. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Maybe you ought to act. Sanjay, on this question of voice, yes. um, you've worked, you've written pilots, but you've worked mostly on other people's shows. Right. Where the job is to emulate someone else's voice. Yeah. Um, I was just going to bring that up. Are you still in there? (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, yes, because I have stuff to pay for. So, (laughs) um, but yeah, the job is to emulate someone else's voice. But um, I feel lucky that I came into this through stand-up. So I was already thinking about voice coming into it. I had been doing stand-up for probably three years before I got the TV, my first TV writing job. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, I mean, what people generally say is, oh, you know, it's something that takes years and years to develop. And so I was very comfortable with the idea that this is something I should, it's going to take time to figure out. And um, I should stay focused on it, you know. I remember reading a quote from Conan at the time about how being in a TV writer's room can sometimes cloud your vision of what your voice is because you're emulating someone else's voice. So it was something I was aware of as I was entering a TV writing room, um, which just being involved with stand-up helped me with. Um, But in terms of finding it, you know, I know what I like. I know what types of jokes Mm -hmm. I like to tell. I know what stories I like to tell. I I know what tone I like. And it's something that I feel is still developing and is emerging with each pilot that I do. Hmm. Um, And in terms of, you know, how to balance that with emulating someone else's voice in the room, Hmm. you know, I think that's one of the reasons you're hired is they, they know that you know your job is to emulate their voice, but they also want to enhance their voice. Mm -hmm. They, you know, they Mm -hmm. want to make their show interesting. They want, you know, to uh, attack a topic or a joke in a lot of different ways. And that's why they're hiring, you know, that's why they're hiring you. They want ideas that they wouldn't necessarily have. That's why you have a room. So it's just another way of saying, I'm not trying to, you know, not think about my voice at all and completely emulate someone else's voice in the room. I know that, you know, Ultimately, that's what's going to win, mm-hmm. you know, is what comes close to what this person sold, initially sold, you yeah. know. But but I am mindful of just continuing to work on it. Sure. Yeah. Uh, did you guys have a room for no activity or did you write everything yourselves? We had a room. We had a room. We, we, had, we had a little room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had like a... Baby room. It Was it a week? Two weeks? Just a week. Okay. Yeah, we had a week. And then another couple of days a bit later on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And what was the role of the room? What did you guys see as the role of the room? We had the shape already for the whole for the whole season, so we were really just working on the characters and 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 deciding on where the characters would go, and you know, and and a little, and then we had like a bit of a procedural room as well, all the stuff really? that we were going to bury. <laughs> yeah, we needed it. We needed what do you mean a procedural room? Well, we we worked on because it is a. It's a police procedural. Uh, Without the procedural parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, there's a very interesting case happening, but none yeah. of our characters know what it is. And so That's they're funny. all below the line of information, but we still needed to know what the information was sure. yeah. to justify why they moved to a new location or yeah, why they go here That's or funny. there. That's right. So it's stuff that we ignored in the Australian version because we did two seasons of it back home. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of ignored that and we retrofit everything with radio chatter. And yeah, the, the and then we like funny. transition. And we messy up the radio chatter. <laughs> we didn't really know. We just like dirty it up so yeah, much. Right. Basically, just tropes. It's just like, yeah, 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 it doesn't matter. But here, the studio were like, well, what's the case? You know, what is it? What's actually happening? And it's CBS as well. Right. For weeks, we're going, yeah, it's, a, it's a drug case. Yeah, it's a drug case. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what happens in heart drugs. Well, they start at the docks and then they go funny. to uh, Ote Mesa, you know. But why? Oh, you know, they just they just get moved around. They don't know why, yeah, but we need to know why. Don't do you fucking? So, so we eventually we had to have a procedural room. Essentially, we we're bullied into it. We were, oh, yeah. but then fine. we just, but yeah. we basically. I mean, we were lucky, I think, because we were, you know, because I've worked on a lot of as a director and half hour uh, yeah. comedies, and we were sort of our room was kind of like when everyone was in hiatus. So we were able to go mm. grab all these great people. And they just sort of came in for great a little people. bit, yeah. And then you know, when I, when I staffed a couple of times. I never wanted to read. I only wanted to read original work. Mm-hmm. And Which I was only, unusual at the time, it, like it before is. five years ago. It right. was. And, and, uh, but I, I, the only thing I cared about was what I heard in their voice. Mm-hmm. Did they have a voice? Because I figured if they had a voice, they're going to write a good draft sooner or later. Mm-hmm. You know? But if they didn't have a voice... It'd be very hard to get a, a draft. But then, I mean, I think that speaks to what you were looking for specifically from writers, right? And what you wanted was a workable I would look draft. For that in what any writer, for? even in a comedy, because yeah. yeah, you you don't you want to you want to hear something gutsy and mm-hmm. meaty, and that's what you want to read. You don't want to read just as. But that, I mean, that similarly plays into your point about emulating the head writer. You know, that's yeah. what you wanted, so you were going to. Stuff. Right, so yeah, I that. never, I didn't want my voice uh, mimicked. Right. You know, I wanted their voice. Why well, rewrote everything? <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, I would get a good draft. <laughs> yes, I, I wanted my voice out there, but right. I, I wanted somebody who would give me right. something to work with. Yeah, yeah. No, right. I didn't want their voice on screen. Yeah, yeah, right. right. <laughs> 
Well, it's just the truth. Yeah, yeah. You understand that just that fact is funny, right? It is funny. <laughs> All right. You're right. I'm yeah, still that's figuring a joke. out what's funny or not. <laughs> is that funny? That's pretty funny. <laughs> funny. I just want to ask you guys what you are watching on television right now, and we'll start here with Sanjay and go around. What are you enjoying? What's getting you inspired? Um, I, what are people talking I about? I really want to plug this guy's Josh Greenbaum. He's a, he did this... Um, documentary about the Dana Carvey show called oh, Too yeah. Funny to Fail oh, yeah. and it's the funniest thing I've seen in years it's I great. watched his other it's one last night now. Becoming Bond about George Lazenby mm-hmm. which also great. is excellent those are both on Hulu right? both on Hulu yeah. but I mean I was really impressed but um, Fresh great Off the Boat season but Josh Greenbaum total jerk could not be a nicer uh, guy uh, <laughs> uh, we're talking about a different guy because the Josh that I know is like oh. um, but yeah we're at season four of Fresh Off the Boat and uh uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully my pilot gets made, and if it does, please watch it. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. What's the name of your pilot? Right now, it's called Model Minorities until it offends someone Model too much. Model Minorities. Model Minorities. <laughs> it's subverting the myth. Relax, Model Asian blogosphere. Um, Is that the logo on? Yeah. Sounds hilarious. Um, but, you know, who knows if it'll get made, but hopefully it does. Um, so. All right. What are you watching, uh, Patrick? I'm watching, um, I just watched the first uh, episode of Big Mouth, which is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just finished uh, season three of Catastrophe, which I'm so in love with. So, so good. In love with those guys. Mm. Yeah, I'm trying to think what I'm watching. I kind of watch everything that's on. I'm watching the things that are on right now, like the new Curb and mm-hmm. that kind of Discount. stuff. count. Those count. Yeah. Are you enjoying them? And Josh's documentary. I actually, lo- I actually love him. Love, hate him. <laughs> Lord. Um, Cynthia, what's what's on TV on your TV? What's getting you excited or inspired these slams. days? Um, I liked Fleabag. Mm-hmm. I watched that. So good. Yeah. yeah, it was great. I thought that was really good. What was that on? That was on Amazon. Amazon. Okay, yeah. It was a Brit show. Yeah, great. I heard it's good. Uh, let's see. Hmm. I think that's about it. I'm not a big TV watcher. <laughs> what are, you, are you watching movies? Because you've just made a mo- you've made one. I did just finish my movie, The Magnificent yeah. Room, that hopefully will will be out soon. That would be at, great. Uh, a couple festivals, so Terrific. fingers crossed. Congrats. Um, I, yeah, I'm watching. What am I watching? Yeah, it's hard. I don't know. I read a lot. What are you reading? Well, what's on my book stand right now? I'm rereading The Magic Mountain, mm-hmm. which I read many, many years ago by Thomas Mann. Yeah. And I'm finding it to be challenging and fun. Why pick it up now? I was in the mood for a different uh, creative experience. You know what I mean? Something that'll yeah. bring something else into whatever it is I'm doing. Because you know, now I'm doing the, the half hour that's funny. But it's interesting. And now we have to go. I, was, I wrote this whole fucking outline. I'm like, I fucking hate it. And I tossed it. I'm doing a completely different uh, uh, approach. Terrible bit of beer writers. <laughs> That's the process, yeah. right? Very glad. Uh, thank you guys for being here. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Sure, thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, guys. We Bye. did it. Now leaving Nerdist.com.